Nyata, hello. It's Alison here, and I'm the pastor at Sanctuary. And we're based on Peak Warren Country in Warrnambool. Today I'm reflecting on Matthew's account of Jesus' triumphal procession into Jerusalem. Bizarrely, in Matthew's story, Jesus is astride two animals, a donkey and her colt. And the people are throwing down their garments and singing hymns of praise. Hosanna, they shout, and that means save us. And you can read the story for yourself in Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 14. Now I know I'm not the only person here at Sanctuary who finds our annual palm parade a little awkward, a little cringeworthy. We look ridiculous, waving jackets and branches as we sing our way into the building. But compared to Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, it's very tame indeed. Because in that story, you have a bloke on a wacky ride surrounded by a bunch of shirtless guys waving flags and singing joyfully in the streets. And the only modern equivalent that comes to mind for me is a pride march. Think of it. Topless dykes on weird and wonderful bikes. Trans women with their fabulously plump breasts and their fabulously glittery floats. And nearly naked gay guys romping down the street. Yet for most of us, I suspect that this image is rather more than a little cringeworthy. Because as a group, I think it's fair to say, we're not very demonstrative, we're not fabulous, and we're reluctant to be public, let alone flamboyant in our faith. So I suggest that when it comes to Jesus' entry into Jerusalem, most of us have some work to do. Or maybe not. Because many churches tell the story with great seriousness and reenact the parade with pomp and circumstance. Priests process in costly robes while acolytes swing golden thuribles. The church is lined with banners, the air heady with incense. The congregation stands and sings glory, praise, honour, while a pipe organ contributes crashing chords and sparkling notes. Here is our king, these processions say, and he looks exactly like the emperor coming into town. Only, you know, he's our guy. And it's a comfortable way to celebrate it, all wealthy and triumphant in the pews, and we could be like that. But if we take Matthew's story seriously, then we need to admit that Jesus' entry to Jerusalem is not like this at all. Instead, Jesus' entry makes a mockery of all that is serious and pompous and self-important. It upends any suggestion of power, any suggestion of domination or wealth. Instead, it's foolish, it's ludicrous, it's powerless, and it's seemingly ineffective. And our guy, well, our guy is a clown. So what do I mean by this? Well, when a ruling authority comes to town, there is a ritual. The great person appears riding a noble beast while the crowds line the streets and honour them. And I myself participated in a watered-down version when, as a little girl, we were marched out of school one day to line the main road in Fremantle. And there we stood in the hot sun for an eternity, waiting for the Queen to arrive. Well, at last... Some cars appeared, driving slowly, 
And as the people called and waved, I got a glimpse of a white glove turning listlessly at a car window. Or maybe I imagined it. I don't know. But either way, it was underwhelming. Now, of course, the Queen did more than ride in a car that day. Just as first century Jewish or Greco-Roman rulers do more than ride in procession. In fact, the entrance of a first century ruler to a city follows strict protocol. First, the ruler rides a noble beast. So does Jesus come in on a warhorse or a stallion? Well, no, he does not. Instead, Matthew tells us he enters mounted on a donkey and on a colt, the foal of a donkey. Yes, Matthew's linking it with an old prophecy. Yes, donkeys are associated with kingship, but they're also an object of derision and scorn. And in this story, Jesus is riding two of them. Let's just pause on this image. How exactly does he do this? Does he straddle both of them in a hilarious wide-legged stance? Or does he move between animals flipping from back to back like a circus act? Does he stand over the little colt and crouch walk as he pretends to ride? I don't know. But there's already a hint of performance here and of foolishness and of Jesus clowning around. Once I get inside the city, a ruler is welcomed with elaborate speeches from local dignitaries. So, does Jesus receive this welcome? Again, he does not. Instead, the people ask, Who's this? They've got no idea. And to Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones those who are sent to it, the crowds reply, This is the prophet, Jesus, from Nazareth in Galilee. Now, in John's account, Nathaniel asks, Can anything good come out of Galilee? Well, he clearly doesn't think so. And that the question was ever asked tells you the answer. In this culture, no, not at all. What a joke. So again, we see foolishness. Jesus, the great nobody from nowhere, is riding into town. And no one has heard of him. And so his supporters out him as a prophet. Finally. In a classic royal entry sequence, the ruler heads straight to a temple and performs an act of ritual sacrifice. So, does Jesus do this? Well, he indeed goes straight from parade to temple, but he doesn't engage in sacrifice. Instead, he throws out the money changers who at rip-off rates are turning Roman coin into Jewish offerings. And he kicks out the traders who at inflated prices sell the birds for sacrifice. And then he heals some blind people and some lame people, enraging the religious authorities. And it's futile. Because the moment he walks out, I am sure that the money lenders and the bird sellers and the religious authorities immediately shake themselves off and write the tables and sweep the floor and go back to business as usual. Then. There's the cloaks. In first century Palestine, people only wore two garments. Take off your outer garment and you're left with a loose tunic. And socially, you're regarded as naked. 
and the story tells us that people took off their outer garments and spread them on the road for Jesus to make his entrance. And given this, it's a bit hard to swallow the Jesus as better king narrative. Because he's not a new and improved emperor. Instead, he disrupts the entrance narrative altogether and he turns all such tropes on their head. For this is a story of nearly naked people, vulnerable people, parading in the streets, singing and praising a nobody. Hosanna, they sing, save us, as they walk and dance and maybe even vogue. They are a parody of neo-Nazis and riot police and stern religious types who have no sense of humour and not one spark of joy. And they're a parody of every army ever and every general and his parade. Because Jesus' parade is not a show of wealth and power and violence. Instead, it's street theatre. It's a jester's joke. It's a show of vulnerability and foolishness coming to town. It tells the world that Jesus will not dominate, but he comes to heal and serve. He will not enslave or exploit. Instead, he empowers and liberates people. He will not give grand and pompous speeches, just niggling stories, outrageous jokes. And nor will he sacrifice the lives of others to the military machine or to some idea of religious purity. Instead, he nullifies the sacrificial system once and for all, and he gives his own life to this end. And unlike every other ruler, Jesus finds his place at the margins, and he dwells among the people there. So his vanguard is not rank upon rank of trained soldiers carrying high-tech military gear, but a messy crowd of fabulous folk parading in their underwear. And what does he seek with these fabulous folk? The healing of the world and the reconciliation of all peoples. And it starts right there at the margins among them. So if we want to follow Jesus, we need to get comfortable with fabulous folk and anyone the world tries to tell us is other. And we need to stop trying to mask the otherness that is us. We need to link arms with people who sing in the streets and embrace the power of theatre. We need to proclaim the gospel even when it offends humorless religious types. And we need to share the good news with hurting people who will never walk into church. And in this time of global climate catastrophe and economic instability and authoritarian governments and unchecked corporate powers and a violent religious right, we need to look to the vanguard, the non-violent protesters who prey on the steps of military corporations, the Christian hippy-dippies at the Palm Sunday rallies, the people holding daggy cardboard signs at every climate march. We need to stand with the LGBTIQA plus folk who dress up and dance in the face of hostility and rage. And we need to stand with the unarmed, vulnerable people who peacefully hold their ground at Black Lives Matter protests. 
we need to get over our cringe factor and wave our branches boldly and proclaim our faith loudly and pursue peace in every corner of this world, even when it looks and feels deeply pointless. Because Jesus himself looked like foolishness and futility and failure. And it was only after his death that his deepest truth and power was seen. So this is the work. And these are our people. And he is our guy. And joining in is how he saves us from our pinched and hopeless lives. So this holy week... May the joyful jester, the clown, the Christ, disrupt our sacred narratives. May he shatter our self-importance and our complicity with the powers and fill us with new confidence, even a hint of flamboyance. And may he find us and we him with arms linked and singing as we walk with fabulous friends and strangers against the forces of violence and death. So be it. Amen. Now, there's always more to read on our website, that's sanctuarybaptist.org. This week you'll find a letter from our leaders regarding our current financial pinch. As a Baptist church, Sanctuary is funded entirely by members and supporters. We have no grants, no buildings, no inherited wealth and no other means of support. So if you'd like to help fund this work and these reflections, you can make a donation via PayPal and you'll find the details for this on the website. To those who already support us financially, thank you. And we also know about the cost of living crisis. So if you can't, that's fine. Just keep listening and receiving the good news. This reflection was prepared on the lands of the Pequorong people of the Eastern Ma Nation a land which was taken by force and has never been ceded, but which this week was finally recognised as a site of native title. Praise be to God. I pay my respects to ancestors and elders, and the peace of the land be with us all. Amen. <laughs>